Good morning, everyone. Welcome to you all on this beautiful, beautiful morning. It's good to see you and to welcome those who are visitors to the church today. And as always, we welcome those who are joining us online. The grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let us worship God. We sing to his praise and glory, hymn 124, 124, praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Let us pray. Almighty God, you are indeed the King of creation, and it is our joy to draw near to you, the one whose goodness we gladly acknowledge, and the one whose steadfast love causes us to praise you. Gracious God, in Jesus Christ, you have made yourself known, and through him, we are able to call you Father. We thank you for Christ's revelation of you, and we rejoice that you are a God we can trust, and a God who is kind in your dealings with us. Lord God, when we stumble, you hold us. When we falter, you guide us. When we wander from you, you seek us out. Gracious God, in the morning light, we confess with shame that we are not always the individuals we want others to think we are. We shun people and situations we find difficult. We can let fear enter our hearts and hold us in its grip. 
and blind to the needs and suffering of others, we sometimes walk by on the other side. Gracious God, you know how we are formed, and your goodness and mercy daily attends us. Forgive us our sins, and let us go forward from this moment as individuals and as a people, steadfast in faith and in our commitment to you, the one who is able for all things and who is worthy of glory and honor. These things we humbly ask in Jesus' name, and together we say the prayer he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. A few intimations to draw to your attention. There'll be a joint church friendship lunch on Wednesday from 12 to 1.30. I'm sorry I'll not be able to be there as I have a funeral, but if you're able to go along please do so. Wednesday from 12 to 1.30. Our Advent studies continue on Thursday at 7 o'clock. And also on Thursday at 7 o'clock, the craft group will meet in the middle room of the parish halls. An important intimation, articles for the winter edition of the parishioner, which will cover the months of December, January and February, should be submitted by next Sunday. So, photographs, book reviews, and news from the organizations of the church will be very welcome. And these can be emailed to the address on the intimation sheet or left in the McMichael Chapel. As I said last Sunday, if you're interested in becoming a communicant member of the church or would like to find out what membership involves, please do speak to me. Tickets for the Tuesday Group Scots Night later this month are now available. Next Sunday is Remembrance Sunday, and we will have our customary service of remembrance at half past ten, with the silence being observed at eleven o'clock, and there'll be a retiro collection for Erskine. And then a reminder that the service are fortnight today which will mark the silver jubilee of my induction to the church and parish of St. Ninian's Old. will begin at 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock. And a reminder to the Kirk session that there will be a photograph taken at 10 o'clock on the 19th. Whenever we do something new or something different, we can be sometimes a wee bit anxious and a wee bit afraid. Think about your first day at school. Can you remember that far back? (laughs) I can remember my first day at school. I didn't really want to go, even though my primary one teacher was a relation, and I thought I might get some favorable treatment, but that notion was dispelled on the very first day. (laughs) Going to school for the first time, maybe a parent, mum or dad, took you along just to make sure you found your way to the right classroom. Or what about going your bike for the first time without stabilizers. It's okay with the stabilizers there. You can go about here, there, and everywhere. But that first moment, when the stabilizers are taken off, well, it helps to have someone, doesn't it, there, just to sort of gently hold you and guide you to 
prevent you from falling off or crashing into a wall or whatever. And what about learning to swim for the first time without armbands? Do you remember that? I remember that. I was pushed in to the pool, and I'm not really a great swimmer, and I remember sinking to the bottom. When we're doing something new, something different, it's natural to be a wee bit uptight, anxious, or afraid. But what a difference it makes if there is someone there with us. But not just someone. Someone we know and someone we trust. That makes all the difference. Shortly, we'll be reading about the ancient people of Israel who were engaged in a long journey through the wilderness. They were almost at the end of it. They could see the land that God had promised to give them, but there was an obstacle in their way. There was a vast river, the River Jordan. And as the people of Israel looked at it, they were anxious. They were afraid. But then their leader, Joshua, said something to them. You are to cross the river. Can you imagine what they must have thought? Has he lost the plot? Is he having a laugh? But, all credit to them, they did what Joshua had asked. And led by men known as priests, they crossed the river. Now, the priests were carrying something with them. They had what is called the Ark of the Covenant. It was a, a wooden box, quite large, but it was covered in gold, and within it were the two stones containing the Ten Commandments. So that made the Ark of the Covenant very special to the people of Israel. But there was another reason why it was special. It was special because the Ark of the Covenant was a sign and a symbol of God's presence with them. And therefore, because they knew they were not alone, that God was with them, the people of Israel crossed the Jordan. Whenever we're asked to do something new or different, and that can happen at any age and any time, let's remember the promise of God. He is with us, and therefore we can step out in faith. We sing the hymn 577, 577, Christ be beside me, Christ be before me.
The Old Testament lesson today is taken from the book of Joshua, chapter 3, verses 7 to 17. It can be found at page 179 in the Pew Bible. That's Joshua, chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I shall begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, and they will know that I shall be with you as I was with Moses. Give this order to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you are to take your stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, draw near and listen to the words of the Lord your God. He went on, by this time you will know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Parasites, Gergesites, Amorites, and Jebusites. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is to cross the Jordan at your head. Choose now twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. As soon as the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant Ark of the Lord, I beg your pardon. I'll start that again. As soon as the priests carrying the Ark of the Lord all the earth set foot in the waters of Jordan, then the waters of the Jordan will be cut off. The water coming down from upstream will stand piled up like a bank. The people set out from their encampment to cross the Jordan with the priests in front carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Now the Jordan is in full flood in all its reaches throughout the time of the harvest. But as soon as the priests reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water at the edge, the water flowing down from upstream was brought to a standstill. It piled up like a bank for a long way back, as far as Adam, a town near Zarethan. The water coming down to the Sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on the dry bed in the middle of the river, and all Israel passed over on dry ground until the whole nation had completed the crossing of the Jordan. And the New Testament lesson is taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 to 13. It can be found at page 181 in the Pew Bible. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning at verse 9. You remember, my friends, our toil and drudgery Night and day we worked for a living, rather than be a burden to any of you, while we proclaimed to you the good news of God. We call you to witness, yes, and God himself, how devout and just and blameless was our conduct towards you who are believers. As you well know, we dealt with each one of you as a father deals with his children, we appealed to you, we encouraged you, we urged you to live lives worthy of the God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. We have reason to thank God continually because when we handed on God's message, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it truly is, the very word of God at work in you, who are believers. Amen.
Thank you, Joyce. We sing the hymn 515, hymn 515, Soldiers of Christ Arise and Boot Your Armour On. At various points in our prayer, I will pause and say, Lord, and I invite you to respond with the words, hear our prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, when we look at the world today, there is so much that concerns us and that makes us wonder if the day will ever come when peace will prevail and war and conflict be no more. But in Christ you have given us a vision of your kingdom, and that vision inspires us and keeps us from losing hope. Lord, give courage, O God, to those who seek to bring peace not least at this time in Israel and Palestine. Bless the work of all seeking to get aid to those in desperate need. And be with all who throughout the whole world are hungry and homeless. Lord. Lord God, the promise of that land flowing with milk and honey inspired your people as they journeyed through the wilderness, and your presence gave them courage when confronted by what at first seemed insurmountable obstacles. Bless your people today, and as we face up to the challenges of these times, let us take hold of your promise to be with us, and let us step out in faith, confident that you will cause the waters to part and lead us safely to the other side. Lord, gracious God, you love us with a love that endures forever. We pray for the lonely, the sick, the dying, and all whose hearts ache with grief, remembering as we do the family and friends of Tom Wilson who has died. 
be to them and all in our thoughts a source of healing, of comfort, and of strength. Lord, Lord God, rejoicing in the unseen cloud of witnesses and giving thanks for the church in heaven and all whom in this world we knew and loved, we pray that we may steadfastly follow in the footsteps of our Lord, the author and perfecter of our faith, and then at the last, with all your people, receive the crown of life itself. Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen. Given that last week many within the church marked All Saints' Day and All Souls' Day, I thought it appropriate that we sing this morning hymn 743, 743, Behold what witnesses unseen encompass us around. I wonder what we think of when we hear the words, the promised land. Do we think of it as another sphere or realm? Possibly we think it describes heaven itself and the life beyond this life. But perhaps we think of it as something we can know and experience here and now in 
this life. In the book of Joshua, we find the ancient people of Israel crossing the River Jordan. And some see that as a metaphor for crossing from death to life, from dying to rising again. And that is not only a reassuring concept, it is very much a biblical one. However, at the time of Moses and then Joshua, the promised land was not so much another sphere or realm. It was a place instead that the people looked forward to living in here on earth and in this life. The promised land was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a good place, a place where the people would feel that at last, after spending so many years in the wilderness, they were at home. They were where God wanted them to be. This was the land promised by God to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and to their descendants. It was the place of which Moses spoke as he led the people out of bondage in Egypt. It was a land so good that others already occupied it. A place of cities and towns and villages, of warriors and giants, not all of whom would prove to be friendly, but all of whom, with God's help, would be overcome in order that the people might truly be blessed. The promised land was a real place. And the people of Israel longed for it, and they dreamed about it. Can I put it to you, dear people, today? that we all long for and dream of such a place. A place where those we may deem to be our enemies are dealt with. A place where our needs are met. A place where the fear of the wilderness in which we wander is replaced by joy. And where we're able to live and celebrate life in the way that God has always intended. But, perhaps we sometimes wonder if we will ever find such a place on earth and in this life. Let's be honest. We live in a world where we seem to hear more about war than we do about peace. In these past days, we have heard of the conduct of people in positions of leadership within our own country at the time of the global pandemic, and we are left wondering how such people people we're meant to look up to could behave in the deplorable way that they did. And daily, of course, we hear of people inflicting harm on others physically and mentally. And we ask how so many can be so cruel and so I could go on, so much to make us wonder about this promised land. And yet, God's promise remains. There is a better place and a way of life that surpasses the life so many know and experience. 
And that place and that life we can know when Jesus Christ is given his rightful place in our lives. The very Reverend Dr. Hugh Wiley died last week. He was Minister of Hamilton Old for many years. Not quite as many years as I've been your minister. And he served as moderator of the General Assembly from 1992 to 1993. Last year, on the 60th anniversary of his ordination, he addressed the Presbytery of Forth Valley and Clydesdale. And there is a Euclid copy of his address which you can find on the home page of the Church of Scotland website. It's worth looking at and listening to. I was greatly taken by these words. The church said, Dr. Wiley, it's all about people. All about people. I believe that to be true. It exists for us to know Jesus Christ and for us to make him known. That is the faith we have to share. The church, it exists for us to know Jesus Christ and for us to make him known. Surely we need to remember that at this time of challenge and change for our own denomination. No amount of restructuring will bring people into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Only we can do that, the church. We have to know him, and it is for us to make him known. And we mustn't lose sight of that. In the passage from Joshua, the people are in the final stage of their time of wandering in the wilderness. And we read the account of them crossing the River Jordan and into the land of promise. The River Jordan was the largest river in the region. There were no bridges across it. It was normally slow-moving and muddy. You could cross it at certain points. But in the season of flooding, you not only can't see the bottom, you can't see where you're going. And therefore, you can't be sure of your safety. Isn't it true that a river without a bridge can be an obstacle in our way? Even a river that's not that wide or deep, but wide and deep enough to make you wonder if you'll manage to wade your way across it, can get the adrenaline flowing. Without a bridge without a way to see the bottom, without knowing for sure the way is safe. And to cross when the river is in flood is a big ask. And that is why the experience of the Israelite people is symbolic, not only of life in general, but of the life of faith in particular. The River Jordan was a roadblock to the Promised Land. And as the people looked at it, fear must have risen within them. But instructed by Almighty God, Joshua, their leader, spoke to them. He told them what would happen, and that despite the hurdles along the way, they would take possession of the land. And as we noted, the priests led the way. 
They carry the Ark of the Covenant, the sign and symbol of God's presence. And they stepped into the water. And the waters parted. I find it hugely significant that the waters didn't part first and then the priests entered it. They had first of all to enter the water and then it parted. That takes faith. As followers of Jesus Christ, as people of the promise, we are called today to step out in faith that we may enter the land and experience life as we should. And what is that life like? Well, it's rich and it is abundant. But let's be honest, stepping out can be a frightening thing to do. Doing something new, something different. Going forward into the unknown. Well, we can come up with all sorts of excuses, can't we? I'm not ready. The timing, well, it just isn't right. Never mind not seeing the banks of the river. We can't see the river bottom. But, and this we have to remember, as God was with the people of Israel, so He is with us. But there's a question. Do we believe this? Do we really believe it? That God is with us? Do we believe that God is with the church at this time? Do we believe that God is with us? Here, present as we worship within this lovely sanctuary or in the comfort of our own home? Do we believe it? And if we do, do we believe enough to trust God? Think about it for a moment. Every day we sit down in a chair, consciously or unconsciously, we have faith and we trust that the chair will support us when we sit on it. When we board a plane or a boat, do we not do so with faith and trust in the pilot or the captain? Otherwise, we wouldn't dare embark on such a journey. Friends, someone has taken ill. I wonder if someone could help. I'll just pause for a moment. My friends, God is completely worthy of our faith and trust. But sometimes we fail to act as if He is. Our faith, and like that of some, is not a blind faith. When we embark on our journey, we do so believing who Jesus is and what He said. And that makes all the difference. My friends, the journey of faith we are on is not a journey through a land of ease 
or of peace, but it is a journey to such a land, a land greater than we can ever imagine, the land we will know when we cross the greatest river of all, the river of death. But it is also a land we can know here when we take God at his word, live lives worthy of him, and put our faith and trust in him, the one who parted the water and whose son overcame death and brought to light life and immortality. What a promise. No ordinary promise. It is the promise of God. And so we can step forward in faith. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. We sing our closing hymn, hymn 167, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. forth in faith, and the blessing of Almighty God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell within you this day and forevermore.